Hey everybody, welcome to episode 43 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting for nearly 30 years and this week we talk about underwater detecting, we cover snorkeling and scuba, we also look at the equipment you will need, the safety rules that you should follow and the impact to find recovery. So let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and I hope you enjoyed the show this week. But before we begin, I want to give you the following information. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast. Or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. And now, if you would like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on SpeakPipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show the link will be in the show notes if you would like to buy me a coffee you can actually do so now with buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting and lastly and most importantly if you like this content please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button Hey Detectorists, welcome to episode 43. We are still in COVID-19 lockdown, but luckily and gladly our recent scare was a false alarm as both my wife and I tested negative last week and today is the last day of isolation for us. So every cloud has a silver lining. The lockdown has really killed opportunity for content creators to get out there and create content for their social media and podcasts. But luckily, I have some experience to draw on to get through the quagmire that is this lockdown. Speaking of experience, this week we are going to talk about something I do have some experience with over the years, but also something that is one of those things you need to do once just to experience it. I can rabbit on about it here for 10 minutes, and I will, but unless you get out there and experience it for yourself, your understanding of it will be limited. As Joe Rogan says, you have to embrace the uncomfortable, and this is no different. What is the it? Well, What I'm talking about is underwater metal detecting, the big brother of river detecting, which we covered recently. In my opinion, river detecting is predominantly wading into your chest and operating a detector underwater while you remain above water without the need of some breathing apparatus. For me, underwater metal detecting is metal detecting that requires the use of some artificial breathing equipment. You can see the prevalence of underwater metal detecting if you just look at the biggest metal detecting content creators on YouTube in the last few years. All, every one of them got their big break when they posted content of finding large hauls of either silver coins, mobile phones, guns and jewellery while underwater metal detecting. This resulted in large spikes in subscriber and view counts. This tells me that the general public no longer has an appetite for the bog standard treasure hunter which we all are, including me, but want compelling underwater content with big rewards at the end. So how do you get started in underwater metal detecting? Most underwater treasure hunters either started as a metal detector and then learned to scuba dive, or started as a scuba diver first who then decided to bring a metal detector along. If we separate the treasure hunting piece from the subnautica piece, just looking at the underwater bit first, there is a general path that people take and that is first they do some snorkeling and then they graduate to scuba diving later. 
This will ring true if you have a metal detector or not. But believe it or not, do you know that the spoils in treasure hunting live in the water that is between 4 to 6 feet in depth, which is perfectly reachable and manageable just by snorkeling. So if your sole purpose is just to metal detect successfully, then you may be happy to snorkel, which is what I have done in the past. Except I have to watch out for the Japanese whaling trawler when I do it. So looking at snorkeling first, and only looking at the breathing and essential equipment, don't worry, I'll get to the metal detecting equipment later on, but first looking only at the snorkeling equipment, all you need to get started is a properly fitting mask, a snorkel and a comfortable set of fins. Starting with the mask, as I said, make sure it is fitting properly and to check this, put the mask to your face. Leave the strap hanging loose, develop a vacuum in the mask by sucking in air via your nose and if the mask is fitting correctly, the mask should stick to your face. If it falls, then the mask is not fitting correctly at all. A correctly fitting mask is essential and there are many masks designed to suit whether your face is long and thin or squat and fat but also make sure it has anti-fog. This is an essential feature, but allows you to see effectively underwater. Onto the snorkel itself. There are different types of snorkel. A wet snorkel, which is essentially the standard J-pipe with no valve or protection at the tip. The semi-dry snorkel, which is like the standard J-type, but has some form of splash guard at the tip. And the dry type, which is a non-return valve at the tip of the J-pipe to prevent water from entering the pipe. Now, from my experience, dry type of snorkels are only suitable for floating on the surface, I'm afraid. And if you want to dive deeper, it is best to avoid these. This is because they are in general designed poorly, as if a little debris enters the valve, it can get stuck shut, resulting in a shock for you when you go to breathe on emerging to the surface. Also, as most have a flexible tube at the bottom, this will compress closed when diving down to a certain depth resulting in negative pressure in the valve, sucking the valve closed again, causing shock when trying to breathe when you need it most. I have used a semi-dry and dry snorkel before, and I prefer the semi-dry. It is more comfortable by far once you get the technique down to clear your snorkel every time you surface. As an aside, I would not recommend the full-face snorkel combo, popular at all the holiday spots the last couple of years. These all suffer from the same problem as the dry snorkel and are only suitable for surface snorkeling. Looking at fins, you want to go for a short, full foot fin, the same size as your shoes. Short fins give you more maneuverability in the water and conserve energy better than large fins, as large fins take a bit of push to get you going and are perfect for going fast for long periods of time, which is not what you want when metal detecting underwater. With those three relatively cheap pieces of equipment, you are ready to get started. But I would recommend the following accessories, not including metal detector accessories, of course. A light wetsuit. 3mm is a good range for me, but you might need thicker or thinner. The water will sap the heat out of your body. I read somewhere online that it does this 25 times quicker than air. So wetsuit good, birthday suit bad. Gloves go without saying. A fine mesh bag, handy for storing the gear when you're not using it, but also fur holding stuff you find. Life hack alert, if you have located the find and it is in your hand with a bunch of dirt and silt, just fire the lot in your bag and the water will wash away the silt as you swim about, leaving the find in your bag. A snorkel flag, especially if you're hunting in an area where there may be lots of boats about. A good thing to have is an inflatable snorkel vest, 
which does exactly what it says in the tin and is one of those things you won't know you need it till you need it and then it might be too late. So the next step up in equipment is not what you think. I know you think, right, you go from snorkeling to scuba and I did say that. However, there is a piece of equipment that sits between scuba and snorkeling and that is diving with a hookah or, or snuba diving as some people call it. This consists of a battery or gas-powered air compressor that delivers air through a long hose called a downline to the diver underwater. This will allow you to stay underwater for up to three and a half hours. I would recommend the battery-powered version as there has been cases in the past where the fumes from the gas-powered versions have entered the feed line resulting in carbon monoxide poisoning, so not good. The benefits of snuba are you don't have a heavy tank to carry around, more than one diver can use one hookah system at a time and you can stay underwater for longer. But diving with a hookah, you are also using a regulator and similar equipment to scuba diving. And on to scuba diving. I can list the equipment you need, but by no means am I an expert here. So I will only do so briefly and I would recommend, and I would recommend that if you want to give scuba diving with a detector a try, you should reach out to your nearest diving school many of which will offer tri-dives for a low price in your local swimming pool. But remember, scuba equipment can run into the thousands of dollars, so be prepared to spend some coin to get on the boat. The equipment you will need is the following, a diving mask, a snorkel, wetsuit or a dry suit, gloves, fins, all we discussed previously. But other equipment needed are a scuba tank, a regulator, a depth gauge, submersible pressure gauge and a dive computer. Again, your local dive shop can recommend a safe setup here. Now, I know some of you would love me to go into some depth here, but there are two reasons I will not go into much depth on scuba diving. And that is, firstly, I'm not the guy to recommend any equipment with any level of expertise to be safe while scuba diving. And it would be irresponsible for me to do so. And as I said previously, the best finds exist in the first four to six feet of water, which is well within the strata of snorkeling. But while we are talking about safety, now is a good time to mention the safety to take into account. If scuba or snuba diving, make sure to have some form of certification, such as a paddy license. Again, your local dive centre can arrange that, but with whatever method you undertake to metal detect underwater, it is fundamental and advised never to do so without a buddy or a partner who will watch out for you and you for them. You need to understand what depth you can go to and for how long you can stay at that depth and what to do if you get decompression sickness. This is where your hobby can kick you in the ass and kill you. With underwater detecting equipment, the general consensus is go with a PI detector or a VLF detector that is obviously waterproof to the depth you're planning to detect. Most high-end detectors released these days are submersible to a depth of 3 meters, which should be sufficient for general day-to-day -day underwater hunting providing you make sure to maintain the seals with a good quality silicon lube or whatever lube is recommended. These seals need to support a wired connection for your headphones also and your headphones will also need to be waterproof too. So if you're looking for a specific detector designed especially for diving then the MineLab Excalibur 2 seems to be the standard here. There are other models from Fisher etc available but they all seem to be specialised to a specific terrain or target. If you're committing to snorkeling, then I can't recommend the Knock the Macro Pulse Dive highly enough. This is an extremely versatile scuba pinpointer. 
Its features such as vibration notification are geared to make your snorkeling experience better. However, it doesn't offer discrimination, so it is not efficient in helping you determine the dig, no dig question. But great fun for rolling around the surf picking up recently dropped jewellery. If you want discrimination, then your Equinox or Simplex are perfect for this. Let's wrap up with sight selection and technique. If going the whole hog and detecting while scuba diving, there are several resources online outlining wrecks and sites that you can dive and hunt. But I'm afraid most are behind a paywall and I will not be recommending them in the show notes. However, in Ireland, for example, the National Museum maintains a searchable wreck database and I'm sure your country is the same. But remember that each country will have a particular law related to salvaging and recovery, but make sure to know the law of where you are diving. If snorkeling is your game, then site selection is pretty simple. It is essentially the same as beach detection. Go where the people are. Popular beaches, swimming spots, tubing locations, on and on. Up to now, it has all been as you would expect. Get the correct equipment. Ensure you know how to use it. Pick a suitable site and start swinging. However, there are some techniques that you should be aware of, especially in the search and recovery of targets. When underwater, you are not going to be moving as fast as you would like on land. It is a very slow process, with the recovery of potential good targets taking several minutes. This means that you need to be 100% sure you are going to recover that target. If you start digging iffy targets, then you are going to have a tiring and bad day. Because of this, a good detector with top-class discrimination is essential. You also need to set your detector up with its thresholds at 100% and volume as high as it takes for you to hear above your breathing, as your breathing will be quite loud underwater. Places to look while you're underwater are potholes where finds form a glory hole. Yes, yes, relax, that's what they're called. Okay, to recap quickly, go snorkeling first. It would probably be enough for you as most finds sit in the shallow water. If you want to scuba or snuba dive even, make sure to do so under the supervision of an expert till you can be certified. Get the right equipment. It can be expensive, especially if scuba diving. Make sure your detector is waterproof to the depth you are hunting. If snorkeling, go where the people go. If scuba, go to known wreck sites. And finally, find recovery will take you longer than you think, so be prepared to only dig good targets using great discrimination. That's it for this week. I hope you liked this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website, www.metaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Actually, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can do so now at buymeacoffee.com forward slash metaldetecting. If you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show the link will be in the show notes and if you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice if you like this content and would like more please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button once again i hope you enjoyed this episode we will chat to you all again next week get out there eyes down and happy hunting <laughs>